I'm Anna Bogutska. And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is The Next Supremes, an American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. In this episode, a woman identifying herself as Anne Frank is brought into the asylum and accuses Dr. Arden of being a Nazi doctor. I mean, a lot in that sentence, a, a lot of sentence. Yeah, that's a that's a hefty sentence, and it's a hefty episode. I know we're usually hilarious, but this is we're gonna struggle, I think, in this one to bring mm-hmm. the funny I'm, into it. I'm gonna be upfront. This and this is a two parter episode, and these mm-hmm. two episodes are maybe my least favorite episodes of American Horror Story because I just do not. I just don't like this storyline for, for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel very uncomfortable. Uh, so I'm just going to express my <laughs> my discomfort up front. It's very well, fair enough. We'll do our best. We'll do our best to get through this. So let's let's get through the worst from the beginning. So a woman calling herself Anne Frank who's played by Franca Patente, who's um, a very good German actress who's most well-known run Lola Run. So she arrives at Briarcliffe and accuses pretty much straight away Dr. Arden. She identifies him as a Nazi doctor. She recognizes him from Auschwitz. And she proceeds to tell her story to Sister Jude, who sort of doesn't, but also does not not believe her. And... Yeah, I I I feel extremely icky about the fact that there's a a two-parter episode. Yeah, I think the thing that disturbs me the most about this is the sort of historical fiction question of oh, oh my god, like what if Anne Frank survived? Like that to mm. me is the the part where I feel very uncomfortable because you know, it that is a real person who died, mm-hmm. and I think to to be kind of all like cute with it and just go, ooh, but what if she didn't? I that's yeah, I think that is the and and I do feel like beyond that they handle it okay. I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything particularly with the character that they do or with the history that is like super offensive. Mm-hmm. Um or or super disrespectful. I I understand where they were coming from. I I I mean, this is to flash forward um a little bit. Is it? It's this episode right where she talks about um the fact that she she knew that the diary was published and she didn't come out in public because she realized the importance of yes. of that book in in shaping like public perspectives on the Holocaust. I, I see what they were doing there and I see the sincerity behind that scene, but mm-hmm. it's like it's it wasn't worth it to, to create this entire like what if narrative just for that scene. I feel like mm-hmm. you know, could have picked something else to do. 
sorts of other people from history you could have been like but what if they didn't die you know Amelia Earhart would just do that and then it it wouldn't have been so like uncomfortable I think it's that picking on the most one of the most recognizable kind of universally recognizable names of someone who died during the holocaust to base a kind of central two-parter episode around is is that thing that you're talking about that makes it feel just not right i don't know how to really articulate it in this like you said there's nothing particularly indecent or disrespectful in the way that they portray the story but there is something about sort of latching onto this this is the name that everybody instantly associates with this particular moment and with this particular plight and that I find quite icky because it's tapping into a horrific moment and horrific amounts of pain for the sake of quick recognition yeah and and in the context of a show where like look we had last season we had the black dahlia which Mm. in itself like the the use of of famous real life murder cases i i we kind of talked about it at the time like already sort of skating on thin ice you know walking a very Mm -hmm. thin line between um you know being dark and morbid and being disrespectful to real victims like the fact that that already you know the the instance of a a single not to to rank horrible things um Mm -hmm. but you know to to have some the black dahlia was already like you know on the edge Mm -hmm. and and to think that okay let's now go to the most you know horrific thing that's happened in recent history and and let's do the same with that i think Mm -hmm. it it feels reckless i think i don't think i don't know I, i i don't see any sort of like cruel intent behind it or or anything sort of negative intent behind it i think it was was people who were coming who were just still in that same mindset that they had with the black dahlia of like oh it's interesting to revisit the dark aspects of history but then sort of like not realizing that this is just way 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 too far out of line you know yeah yeah, I completely I completely see your point and agree with it. Is there anything you want to add before we move on to the take on Anne Frank? No, I'm sure we could probably debate this like for hours. <laughs> but I feel like I feel like everyone listening, like, you know, we're probably all gonna be feeling the same way about it. I mean maybe people mm-hmm. disagree, but um I feel like everyone is bound to feel strongly about it one way or the other. Mm. Let's just put it like that. (laughs) Yes. From that, let's move on to... I mean, there's no fun aspects to this episode. We're going to move on to Grace and Kit, where in this episode we learn about Grace's backstory, which was sort of alluded to in previous episodes, the backstory of her having killed her entire family. And then her and Kid have sex in the bakery. Get flower butt. 
<laughs> flower pot and then they end up in yeah. solitary and sentenced to be sterilized which seems like a intensely bizarre punishment yeah it just feels like these two episodes and specifically this episode i don't know if they're just like okay let's just pack all the worst stuff together because like we know we've got to deal with like the most horrific aspects of of um you know like mid 20th century medical interventions let's Mm. just just put it all in one episode it's just gonna be like a really grim depressing horrific episode and then we can go back to like aliens and things you know yeah i don't know it feels like very condensed considering all we've seen so far and and like at least me personally knowing like where we go Mm -hmm. after this it feels like they just were like let's do all the bad stuff in make people just have a really bad time for like one and i'd say one and a half episodes and then we can just go back to like you know american horror story yeah this is this is the hump day of the season you know let's let's get through all this intense darkness and then we can go back to the fun darkness there is a scene between dr threatstone and kit that i found quite interesting conversation slash therapy slash confession time what did you make of it it's yeah it's sort of it's interesting how quickly kit is convinced like you know he has a five minute conversation with dr threats and then he's like guess i did murder my wife (laughs) it's a really strange sort of (laughs) i mean we spent so he spent the entire season being like I'm innocent. I didn't do it. It it was the aliens. Yeah. yeah. And then Doctor Thredson's like, but I I don't know if if we're still in the kind of situation where where Kit, I mean Kit mm. obviously does not want to be executed, mm-hmm. obviously. So I don't know whether his brain just went, yeah, just go with it, <laughs> just say that you killed them because might as well at this point. Yeah, it's also this sort of weird. You know, how much strength of will and character do does one person need to have to keep their own reality straight in their mind when everyone around them, you know, in Kit's case, is telling him, you are a horrible serial killer, you murdered your wife, you are this, you are that. So, like, all this melding of truths and untruths and not really being able to even fully fully trust not just the figures of authority, but even anyone around him. Like, he doesn't really, really know if he can trust Grace. Like, he sort of trusts his Grace, but can he? You know, everyone is sort of making up or confused about their realities. So... I'm almost not surprised that Kit would be like, oh, okay, fine. You know, you've been telling me for, what, three episodes now that I've killed this many people and then I'm this terrible serial killer? Fine, I guess. Well, I guess that makes more sense than what I think I experienced. Those kind of ebbs and flows of just believing in the reality that you know is true and being told that everything you're believing is actually not true and all that constant questioning. So I get it that he, like this and this scene was interesting because he was like, I just like give up. Fine. 
Yeah, I kill them. True. And I guess the idea, like, he's sort of <laughs> in such a, a crap situation because either either he killed all those women and he's a horrible murderer or aliens are real and they stuck their alien fingers all inside him and he's got little robot things inside of his neck and you know like there's no <laughs> both both options are really really bad and difficult for a brain to handle <laughs> yeah. um so maybe he's like mm, actually i prefer the reality where i killed people versus the reality where aliens mm. are real and they experimented on me because that's kind of yeah horrific like- <laughs> I guess on the scale of horrific realities, maybe that one is less horrific. Yeah, because like, if aliens are real, then that you know, there's like a whole bunch of other stuff. If he just killed people, then he's in. You know, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have to like question. <laughs> I'm not trying to like justify <laughs> murdering people. I'm just saying it's like. If he murdered people, it's still within the bounds of reality. If aliens yes. are real, then that changes everything about everything that he's ever believed and thought and the nature of the universe. So maybe exactly. it is like easier for his brain to believe that. He yeah, I think, you know, it's easier to maybe come to terms with the fact that you are a bad person than with the idea that we're not alone in the universe and aliens are real and maybe want to poke us. Yeah. With their weird little long fingers. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, did, I did find the the filmmaking of this quite bizarre. Like it it was just constantly the camera was constantly moving and zoom like kind of very slowly getting closer to them and all of the angles were twisted. And I was like, okay, calm down. Yes, we get it. I also did yeah. I did at one point just go, Oh kid. Sweet summer child, what are you doing? When Dr. Threadstone is like, I think we should do an exercise where we tape a fake confession. So why don't you just tell me all about how you murdered your wife and all those other women into this recorder? It's just for me. Kit. Going back to the, the camera thing, it's an interesting observation. I've been re-watching Glee bits of glee mm-hmm. and ryan murphy does seem to have a thing where i don't know if or oh, his shows where if if anything is suddenly getting mildly serious then it's like instant steady cam like shaking all over <laughs> zooming weirdly into people's like it's suddenly like a documentary <laughs> like, i don't it's really really weird and i think it's even stranger when you're watching glee because it's like such mm-hmm. a ridiculous like high school tv show and then suddenly the camera's like zoom, 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 like zipping all over the place like you know <laughs> And but I also noticed it in this episode. It's like really mm. sort of uh, cinema realist. Yes, but through a Murphy lens. Yeah, it's just the camera shakes a lot. It's like whoa, <laughs> <laughs> things are getting serious in here. They're so serious. We can't keep our camera straight because we're trembling with emotion and seriousness. We're so shook by these revelations. 
see we can have fun during the, the depressing episode yes <laughs> yes we made, it work. About. we made it work <laughs> um so doctor keeping staying with dr threatstone because he's a he's a nice link onto the next key storyline of the episode which is that he tries conversion therapy on Lana. And I don't know about you, but uh, I found this scene to be actually free of those of those kind of excessive camera tricks and very stark. And maybe it's because it's Sarah Paulson. Maybe because it's Zachary Quinto. Maybe because of the subject matter. You know, it's there's it's essentially gay conversion therapy, which is a horrific, horrific practice that is sadly still around in a lot of places. And maybe it's because, you know, we spoke about this before, but because of the fact that and this is kind of meta information, this is not in the in the text, but I think it adds a layer of significance to the power of the scene, I think, is the fact that Zachary Quinto and Sarah Paulson are both um, out. So there's an added layer of this is just terrible to watch. And it's very physical, especially the performance by Sarah Paulson. So much is required of her in this scene. I found it Mm. I found it really impactful. Yeah, I can kind of tell. Well, you know, there's this thing where Ryan Murphy, I don't know if he does it with American Horror Story, but he plans shows on like Excel spreadsheets. Um, mm. And I feel like, I feel like this scene was sort of the, the center he built so much of the season around. Cause like, mm-hmm. A lot of the other things that we explore in this show have a sense of, of you know, history to them. That's stuff mm-hmm. in the past. Oh, wasn't it so bad in the past? But I think the fact that conversion therapy is something which was still occurring at the time this show came out, still occurring mm-hmm. today, the, the relevancy of it, I think, is why this moment is treated with, like, such, yeah, such respect and such, such like soberness to it and mm-hmm. and intensity because you know the these shows do American Horror Story is kind of a message show at the end of the day like it's it's kind of hard to unpack it sometimes because it is mm. you know buried under so many layers of like ridiculousness but then you have moments like this that are like oh this is this is trying to shine a spotlight on on something Mm-hmm. And there is no silliness about it here. There's no, you know, supernatural shit. It's just, this is what happens to people. This is what happened to people. This mm-hmm. is what happens to people today. Um, and yeah, and as you said, to have these two great actors and two actors who are, you know, activists in, in the gay community, like, yeah, it's really meaningful, I think, this mm-hmm. moment. In a way yeah. that maybe like <laughs> the other the other the Anne Frank that that's the thing you compare it to the Anne Frank storyline and 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 that doesn't really have like an urgency like you you don't I you don't really know what 
they're trying to say with the Anne Frank storyline because it's so like all over the place but then you see this one and you're like mm-hmm. right there is such urgency to it like you don't really feel the same sort of meaning behind it like we were talking before you know what why bring the memory and the figure of Anne Frank into this whether as this scene feels incredibly powerful because it is it's making a very very clear statement yeah and I think like it's it, like I, I don't know if a lot of of audience watching would actually know what you know a lot of people hear the word conversion therapy and hmm. hear the phrase conversion therapy and they don't really know what that means and to actually be shown it on screen like her mm-hmm. getting pumped full of of ampromorphine horrific like you know this this drug that's making her horrifically sick Mm -hmm. um you know it's it's sort of it's sort of important I think to sort of to show audiences the reality behind you know like you just hear like the the headline you know look beyond the headline to be like this is what happens I think Mm -hmm. that to me is is what is powerful about the scene it it's it's sort of going beyond the 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 debate topic and the you know because mm-hmm. conversion therapy very easily becomes just kind of I don't know just like a meaningless phrase that just floats around and to and to sort of hook it to to a reality and to an, a personal experience I think that feels important yeah and to really make visible not just the physical process but also the emotional cruelty I think in particular because you know in the context of the series Dr. Threadston he's showing her kind of suggestive pictures of women and then he flashes an intimate picture of Wendy her her girlfriend the person who she loves and forces her to be sick looking at this looking at this image and especially you know for in the context of the series she'd been betrayed by Wendy so there's kind of all sorts of added layers to it but it's intensely cruel and just to be watched the way the threatstone sort of watches her i don't really it's quite it's quite hard to watch and it's incredibly there's something about Sarah Paulson's performance in that as well, kind of her determination or Lana's determination in that scene of, which is connected, I think, to her ambition of kind of her determination to put herself through it without believing in it, but almost perhaps for the story, perhaps to escape. So it's all kind of guided by self-preservation the way that I take it is that it's guided by self-preservation. She she knows she needs to escape. And this might be the only avenue to do it. And subjecting herself to this and just to hearing constantly that who she is is wrong and has to be fixed and can be fixed. But also at one point Threatstone tells her you're too far gone to be fixed by this therapy we're going to need to try something different you can really imagine putting yourself in the situation of many many people who have been 
have been told the same kind of things and have to deal with not the physical but also the emotional process of locking onto the truth of who they are and that there's nothing wrong with that to being surrounded by people who are either physically or emotionally or psychologically telling them that there's something wrong with them and offering solutions for who they are and that is um yeah i i'd agree with you i think that is at the heart of this of this season yeah it's it's true what what you said about the yeah the 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 whole season to me is about the difference between sort of your your personal truth and and what is your reality versus what reality is imposed on you or what sort of narrative is imposed on you and i think you see that explored on this show in a on the season in a bunch of different ways because you know you talk about lana and in her truth in her her identity and her sexuality you you have kit who <laughs> you know that's a interesting question about you know sanity versus you know something that's so unbelievable to other people that they they can't you know they just they impose a completely different narrative on him I think you just you kind of just see that repeating Mm. over and over again and and even in someone like Sister Jude who's like the split inside of her between the the woman who has this haunted past you know the, the the drinking and the the accident of her with her killing the little girl and mm-hmm. versus this sort of virtuous image that is is constantly placed on with her and this religious duty that's placed on with her in in her role at Briarcliff like everyone sort of has this like there's there's two parts to every character which is mm-hmm. the internal truth and then the outside narrative um yeah and I find that and I think you know the with Lana that's the most sort of I think that's the most emotional version of that Mm -hmm. because of of her story and the sort of relevancy of her story but I think you see it just over and over again that's that's beautifully put can't say that can't say that any better than that (laughs) oh thank you there's there's really not that much else that we need to cover from the episode aside from the ending which is when two police officers arrive to investigate Dr. Arden and this is the part where sort of Sister Jude is is starting to believe the story that Anne Frank has told her and you know this is also harkening back to the scene where Dr. Arden with Dr. Arden and the sex worker and the the photographs and the memorabilia that she discovers at his place there's there's not that much fundamentally interesting about the scene except and um I don't not feel awkward bringing this up right now but as you know one of my few talents is recognizing character actors from other shows on the show and I just like to shout <laughs> out Joel McKinnon who plays Scully in Brooklyn Nine-Nine who plays one of the police officers and his presence made me chuckle yeah I did also pick that up and it's really weird <laughs> yeah he's a very different character from scully yes. but you're also like it's also very much 
Scully because that's Scully. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I. I yeah. <laughs> if uh, if two police officers come in being like, "Hey, this guy has a bunch of Nazi memorabilia," like I don't think mm. it's too <laughs> crazy to maybe. I don't think Sister Jude's beliefs are too sort of crazy and too unbelievable because, mm. you know, Nazi memorabilia is a pretty big red flag suggestion that someone might be a Nazi, but that's just me. I think mean, it's like the I don't, like, the, red, right? the reddest of flags. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, there's no, I it's not like even they... a red flag. It's like a red you know that scene and we have to talk about Kevin where she's just like in this Pamplona sea of tomatoes and stuff. It's like that that kind of level of red flag. If you find any Nazi memorabilia anywhere in anyone's house, yeah. run. Plus someone also accusing them of having been, of being a Nazi. I feel like those two, those two things could easily be put together. I don't think it's yeah, it's that wild. <laughs> uh, I will say his excuse I enjoyed he says I, I'm i from Scottsdale I can't be I can't be a, <laughs> in Nazi Germany I'm from Scottsdale which is from where I that was near Phoenix where I grew up and it's funny because Scottsdale is just not it's quite a boring place so it's a funny joke <laughs> imagine Dr. Sassy Arden. Yeah. This is a great legal defense. I couldn't have done it. I'm from Scottsdale. <laughs> Sorry. We don't do war crimes in Scottsdale, so. <laughs> Scottsdale. Oh, wait. We mentioned what Dr. Threadstone tells Lana at the end of this episode. Oh. So Dr. Threadstone, despite putting her through all the conversion therapy, turns out, twist, to be an ally. So that's great news for Lana. We should mention as well the way that the episode ends. Which is that we, through Anne Frank, we see what's happened to Shelley. And uh, it's not pretty, I think, is the, the softest way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of stuff happens at the end of this episode. You get that, and then um, you also get um, um, I'm blanking on his name. I'm sorry, uh, Joseph Fiennes. Who's, who's the Monsignor? The Monsignor. Um, you get the Monsignor being like, Doctor Arden, they're on to you. Get your shit together. <laughs> Which suggests that the Monsignor know something about him mm. being maybe a crazy Nazi doctor experimenting on people I don't know he knows something I would not be surprised so what is your top quote of the episode I like the line are you purposely trying to make a murder baby <laughs> which is directed at <laughs> Kit and Grace. Oh what I just what is a murder? What's a murder baby? Any baby that's conceived in American Horror Story. <laughs> it comes out. It's already got a little knife and a little gun. Oh my god! I'm a murder baby. <laughs> oh, 
god, that might be American Horror Story season ten, Murder Baby. My favorite one is the. This is not a funny episode, as we've established, but uh, my favorite line was Kit when he just goes, "It wasn't me," because it made me think of you, and it made me chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it a funny line. aliens they're many to me <laughs> i can't do it it's much harder to do it for that it's not the right vibe for this episode yeah to be fair the murder baby line is the only that and the scottsdale were the only bit <laughs> that i was amused by in this episode so moving on to sad bud i'm gonna i'm gonna say daniel who is the the very, very handsome patient that Dr. Threadstone brings in for Lana's conversion therapy and makes him get naked. And it's it's just sad. The whole moment and disturbing. Everyone is sad. Everyone is looking away. No one wants to be there. It's really depressing. And let's move on because I it's making me sad just mm. thinking of Daniel's sad butt. Also, that guy has no lines, right? No, zero. What a great moment for that actor. <laughs> Bless him. Really, really sad and naked. Moving on into the the MVP of the episode. Is there one? Um, interesting question. <laughs> <clears throat> it's not even Satan. No, Satan doesn't really factor. No. Satan's taking a break. <laughs> um, well, if we're talking about MVP in terms of like who won the episode mm-hmm. by doing incredibly awful things but still kind of has the upper hand, I would say Dr. Threadston because mm-hmm. he's just like getting stuff done, but it's really bad stuff. He's clearly got a plan. And that plan is coming to fruition. So I feel like I would give him this title, but I don't obviously don't approve Mm. what he's doing. I'm going to go with Dr. Arden. Mainly because he is in this episode just getting away with a lot of really, really heinous shit. I feel like he's a bit panicky. Hmm in this episode true because someone has maybe found out or not found out Mm -hmm. about his maybe yes not secret Mm -hmm. nazi past okay i'm gonna retract that i'm gonna take away his mvp crown (laughs) and i'm just i'm just gonna give it to scully just you know what doing your job well done yeah that's it yeah, to be fair, he just came in and he did his job and then he left. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the bar for this episode. Insensitive historical reference of the week. It's pretty much the whole episode, isn't it? Hmm. I wonder what that would be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... Like, the reason this category exists is this episode. Um... I feel like we probably don't need to say anything. Yeah, that's it's in the title. You guys get it, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cinema references. Did you pick up on any? Look, 
the American Horror Story Wikipedia seems to suggest that Dr. Arden, the name that Anne Frank thinks that his is his real name, is Hans Gruper. And the American Horror Story Wikipedia seems to think that it's based off Hans Gruber, the villain from Die Hard. Well, that was going to be my suggestion. <laughs> but I feel like that is so wildly insensitive that I like refuse to believe it because my brain doesn't want to have to process that information. <laughs> you see, I made that right. note and I was like, surely not. Surely not. Surely not. But I imagine maybe. maybe maybe they were just struggling to think of a German name and they're like, who are famous Germans that we can use their name? And somebody said Hans Gruber. But I refuse to believe that it's like an intentional homage to a completely unrelated fictional German character. I want to believe in my in my mind and in my heart that they fully just came up with this organically in the writer's room and you know just boop 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 they're typing they're doing the episode they shoot it and then someone you know and maybe it was sort of implanted in someone's mind who'd just seen Die Hard or rewatched Die Hard and you know you don't really realize how but you're pulling on references of things that you've recently consumed maybe someone on the set is like oh did you guys call the nazi doctor hans gruber because of hans gruber from die hard and suddenly would someone maybe the person who came up with the name would go like oh no oh no shut it down shut it down <laughs> shut it all down <laughs> but then it would have been too late we to shut it up. down <laughs> So that's that's the we backstory. We gotta burn all the tapes. <laughs> that's the backstory for it that I created in my head, and in my mind, it is canon. <laughs> I yeah, I just can't believe someone went on the Wikipedia and typed that sentence out. Be like, Hans Gruber might be based on. No, no, no. Let's not sully Alan Rickman's contribution to great villains of cinema history. I will not I will not have that. He was evil for unrelated reasons to any of this. Exactly. I'll just make that clear. So I think we're done with our categories. What can we expect from the next episode? In the next episode, this is a big one. The identity of Bloody Face is revealed. Who will it be? I made a dramatic drum roll. Is it Kit? <laughs> is it Dr. Arden? Is it Grace? Is it? I can't think of a funny one. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a funny one, and I can't because any anybody could be bloody face. Is it Satan? Maybe. Maybe. Is it the dog from Murder House? No. Back, Back again. Immortal dog thing being serial killer. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of American Horror Story Asylum. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. I'm on at Clarice Lou. And I am on Anime Demented. Bon Dieu. Il ne parle que du bon Dieu. Il 
chameaux ni diligence, il parcourt le repapier, Scandinavie ou Provence, dans la sainte pauvreté. Dominique, elle ni que s'en allait tout simplement, routier, pauvre et chantant. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu. 